0: Welcome to the Apple Store Covent Garden in London for tonight's event, Meet the Filmmaker. Could you please give a warm welcome to tonight's guest moderator, Ali Plum? Hello,
1: I'm Ali Plum and you're here to uh, meet the filmmaker. And that's Dan Mazer, the director of Dirty Grandpa, who's just about to come on stage. But before he does, let's watch the trailer for this extraordinary film. I don't understand why you have to drive down to Florida. We just had the funeral. My grandmother and I were there at this time every year.
0: It just seems like we're cutting it a little close. With the rehearsal brunch on Friday, <sighs> I'm just
1: breaking out. I know.
0: Can you take my car, Sadie? I need the SUV for the wine.
1: Now let's get in that giant labia you drove up in and get out of here. Hey, we're heading to Daytona. So you guys want to tag along for a bit, maybe?
0: Party some babies into us.
1: Oh, we're not going to Daytona. Bam, are you kidding me right now? Grandma's funeral was yesterday. She told me on her deathbed, you get back out there again. Hey, Grandpa.
0: Did he just call you Grandpa?
1: What the? F- Wanna be a lamb and get that for me?
0: Did you ever go on spring break? No. Hey, you know, one in three of these girls has herpes, even if you can't see it. Whoops, that never usually happens. Really, it happens to me all the time. You're in Daytona Beach? We're just driving through. Listen!
1: She's not right for you. If you marry her, you're going to be sleepwalking through the rest of your life. The way I see it, this is our last stand. Get up, yeah. my Party so till so you're so pregnant! pregnant. Yeah. Yeah. You okay, you this is crack. I just smoke crack? Yeah. But just like a lot. I just smoke crack! Yeah. Man, it's yeah. crack. Yeah. In the street like yeah. that I don't even know how much I appreciate you doing this for me. just
0: get naked? That's the best way to sleep. Oh,
1: my God. I want you to tear open my bra like it's a social security check. Now fumble around and pretend like you're trying to find your glasses. I found them. I
0: can see. The greatest gift a grandson can give his grandfather
1: is a hot college girl who wants to have unprotected sex with him before he dies. Yeah, most grandpas just want toffee or socks. Downtown. So may I just say, it's amazing what you can edit around. There is so much filth that's just been tucked away in that Green Band trailer. So, without any further ado, the director, Dan Mazer, please come to the stage.
0: Yeah, I do actually want to apologise for the trailer. I think it's relatively terrible and unrepresentative of the film. Um, Because the film... For example, I, I have two daughters and I wanted to show at some point, like, my daughter one of eight, one of five, just like 30 seconds of the film and couldn't find 30 seconds that wasn't disgusting to show them. So um, that, it, you're right, it is a sort of vague triumph that they managed to get anything out of that.
1: We tried our best to get two clips that were filth free. So okay. coming, coming up later, there'll be a couple more clips that test this incredible task. Okay. But tell us how you were first introduced to Dirty Grandpa because I like to imagine it was one of those pictures where they went, Dan, Robert De Niro, Zac Efron, the filthiest holiday ever. Go.
0: Well, it's weird. So they sent me the script, which I read in a vacuum. I read, it was a Sunday night. I was, I think Call the Midwife was on, something like that. Um, and uh, I was sat on my computer, uh, distracted from Miranda Hart's finest work, to read the script. And I thought, God, this is funny. This is funny. This is filthy. This is terrible. And then Monday called um, as us director types do called my agent and said that's a funny script. What's you know, what's the story? And they said, well, um, Robert De Niro and Zac Efron are attached. And I went, right, okay. Has Robert De Niro read the script in any way? And they went, yeah, no, he read, read it, he he liked it. I said, and it's it's not like Robert Niro, a different actor like Robert David Niro, who uses the D They went, no, 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 it's Robert De Niro. He's read it and he genuinely is gonna do it. At which point I just thought, well this is remarkable and unlikely, and likewise Zac, Zac Efron. I mean, slightly less of a surprise that he's doing it after after Neighbors, but um, but still sort of amazing. And um, at that point, it was like, okay, well, if you can prove it and put it in writing that these people are actually going to do it, then 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 I'm interested. And then I had to go and meet um, Bob, as I now call him, which is extraordinary in itself. Like, it's unbelievable. Bob. 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 De Niro. And uh, and again, I just, said, I just said the first thing I said to him was like, "And you've read the scripts?" And he went, "Yeah, no, no, I read it. I like it." And so and, and that bit, and he goes, "Yeah, I read that bit and that bit and yeah, and that bit." So uh, it was sort of yeah, sort of amazing. And um, it's interesting because you know I'm aware of the uh, what you know the that people think that Bob sometimes does movies that he doesn't necessarily commit to that. Uh, that he might just sort of phone it in, and that was obviously a, a, a concern and a worry. But I have to say, on this, he like, committed so absolutely and fundamentally to, to, to being as kind of extreme and as, and as edgy and as full-on with this role as humanly possible. It was extraordinary to me. There is no
1: way that anybody who's seen this film will say that Robert De Niro phoned it in. <laughs> no, there that is, is very true. so much filth <laughs> coming out of that man's mouth <laughs> Tell me, was any of it improvised? Because I like the idea that he was reading the script and went, "You know what? I can make this
0: dirtier." <laughs> <laughs> he definitely threw in a few extra fucks every now and then. Like he, you know, he's very good with a fuck. But um, what we would do sometimes, the, like, the writer and I, uh, a guy called John Phillips, would would sit by him and um, and. What's quite frequent, quite uh, quite a, a common occurrence now in kind of Hollywood movies is you do a thing where you give the actors alts, which is alternative funny lines. So you have what's scripted, and then on the day, just in case when you go and test the movie or you go and put the movie out, people don't laugh at that line, you want an alternative. You want a, you know, a, something else that you can cut in. So we'd stand sort of as far as I am to you with um, with Bob, and we'd just throw... The filthiest things we could imagine at him, like you know, there's a there's a line in the movie uh, about Queen Latifah uh, shitting from a hot air balloon, um, and he'd go, Queen Latifah shitting from a hot air balloon, and we go, yeah, yeah. He goes, okay, and he'd say it, you know, and it's he basically was sort of as long as he kind of understood it and could get his head around it, he had faith in us to uh, that we weren't embarrassing him unduly and you know it may turn out that we have done and we will do but um but at the at the time he was very you know he was very game we should move on from from mr de niro but i do feel like you've uncorked
1: this untapped comic i don't know filth monster uh, because of previous movies he's done recently one i'm thinking of is grudge match he has a scene where he farts in his trainer's face like as a boxer oh. and you go well this is the beginning of something <laughs> there's something here there's something going on but he's also shows forms. off, as well as his, his amazing way with words, he shows off a physical prowess we haven't seen for a while.
0: I mean, fuck, it's unbelievable. So he's, uh, he's a 72-year-old man who can do one-arm push-ups, unbelievable, chin-ups just as he's talking to you. He's, uh, he, I'm giving him direction and he's just... Doing this, just just cranking them off like ten at a time, just going, and you just think, how is this even possible? And then it turns out he has a trainer every day, and he's incredible. You know, he's in incredible physical shape. But it, you know, it's extraordinary. A 72-year-old man doing one-arm push-ups and, and pull-ups and all those sorts of things. It's yeah, it's um, it, that in itself. If you see the movie for nothing else, it's just like wow, he can do that.
1: We're going to jump to a clip now, which has absolutely no Robert De Niro in it. I, I apologize in advance what's up Nick sucks about grandma huh yeah murdered like that
0: Nick she had cancer we'll never know the truth we absolutely know the truth yeah grandma had cancer for 10 years calm down I'll see you at the crossroads grabba doing are you kidding me
1: right now my dad and my fiancee are literally standing right next to us
0: Beyonce's here
1: no what is that hmm you're high right now? No, this isn't high as a kid. It's an e-cigarette. Oh, it's filled with a little weed, but it's an e-cigarette. Grow up, man.
0: What are you doing? H- grow up? How adult are you? What, are you listening to NPR and your Volvo? You no. play racquetball competitively against business associates? No. no, You ever go away to a rented house with other couples and then play scattergories over a bottle of white wine? Jason? That's
1: the beginning of the film. So yes. that's Zach, Zach Efron at his preppiest, his most straight-laced. How did it feel getting him in that kind of get up. And then suddenly, I think within about 40, 30 minutes, he is almost totally naked, wearing a bee thong.
0: <laughs> a, a, a hornet thong, strictly. Hornet thong, I apologise. There's a, there's a great distinction. I mean, again, Zach was sort of brilliant and um, it's weird because previous to, to this, I wasn't necessarily the, uh, that familiar with his oeuvre apart from probably, you know, a high school musical and his early stuff. And he's actually a sort of amazing actor. Like not even a sort like an amazing actor and and it was just like every day he like surprised me with his intelligence and his sense of humor, and in this he you know he plays he plays probably the, the straight man to to Bob slightly, although he has lots of funny moments of his own like the thing and you know anyway lots of things um, but again for somebody so unbelievably beautiful as a man he has an incredible lack of vanity you know and, and that's sort of weird you think you are doing things to yourself that you have no need to do because you are a, a god in human form and you are somehow desecrating this godlike figure that you have but you know he was, he was really happy to do it and you know I think that's the great thing for me about The movie is that I got these two kind of icons in different ways and with you know perceptions of them to really let go and 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 go to places they hadn't ever gone to before as performers. So um, I think if nothing else, the the movie does that. There is a bit where he does sing,
1: not to give too much away. Were you tempted to put in any Robert De Niro references, or were you like I've got to back away from that?
0: Robert De Niro references as in, like, Bananarama, Robert De Niro's Waiting, that <laughs> Talking Italian.
1: amazing. You missed that trick. <laughs> I did
0: miss that trick. I should have done that, but I'm not sure how international That's that true. hit was. That's true. Or indeed how current. In mean, fact, probably nobody here even <laughs> remembers Robert De Niro's Waiting, Talking Italian. Although, embarrassingly, in the process, whenever I'd sort of see him, I'd, I'd hum it often to myself <laughs> in a really, really just an embarrassing way. Just be walking along on saying, going, Robert De Niro's waiting, talking Italian. And just like... <laughs> There's nothing less cool that you can do, I don't think, in the, in the company of Robert De Niro. Hey, Bob, sorry, yeah. No, don't <laughs> so, mind me, it's fun. Just singing Bananarama about you.
1: I was first drawn to the, uh, the existence of this movie with a graduate-style poster. Oh, yes. Could you tell me the origin of this? Because there are two great posters, yeah. and one of them is Zac Afron encountering Robert De Niro putting on a sock. Yes. Was that your own invention?
0: It wasn't actually. No, I can't even claim credit for that. And uh, I mean, I will do just because nobody, nobody else is watching, and who would, uh, who would, who would know? So yes, that was totally well, mine. Can I just say, aren't I clever? That was
1: really Thank clever. Thank you. Thank you, you very much. It? Thank you. Yeah, no, it's brilliant.
0: It. I'm, 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 I am brilliant in general. Um, no, no, it's fun. I thought that was funny and sort of yeah, classy and in 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 a way that perhaps the later posters are are not quite so classy. <laughs> As I walk past buses in London constantly, as I drive to have uh, Robert de Niro's crotch in my face uh, constantly, so I've been assaulted, by, uh, by, yeah, by uh, half-naked Zach and Bob frequently. It
1: does happen. Yeah, um, We're going to queue up a clip, which I think is probably one of those scenes that when he shot it, was very difficult not to laugh during. This features uh, one of my favorite comedians. he's called Jason Manzukas, so please enjoy Pam.
0: I don't understand how we got so far off schedule. Does anybody work here? Okay, everybody on the floor! What the?
1: This is a robbery! <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. You should see your faces. I just went out to grab lunch and a new horse mask. I left mine at the beach the other
0: day. Woo! <laughs> Gun's real, though. Relax. This is Florida. Everything's a licensed gun range. You just shot through a wall, man! Hey, it's pedestrians outside! Again, it's Florida. These people don't matter. What? So, welcome to Tan Pam Surf
1: Slam. What can I do for you, gentlemen? I'm Pam. Was that a particularly difficult one not to corpse during?
0: Um, it gets funnier later in the scene, actually, and then again, but we can't show it. Um, and that and that was difficult because Jason, Jason's brilliant. He's a he, if you don't know him, he's a brilliant sort of improv comedian who's been in lots of TV shows and has sort of smaller parts in lots of big movies. I worked with him um, uh, in a movie I did with Sasha Baron Cohen called The Dictator where he played Sasha's psychic in that. And uh, And he's always brilliantly funny and what I like to do on set is let people improvise and because he is much funnier improvising than I am writing, uh, you know, slaving over a script for three years. So, uh, And it ultimately I get the credit for uh, his funny lines, so it's, so it's great, it's a win-win situation. And, um, and, and so he'd go out there and just sort of say stuff the entire time and then I'd have to sort of come back and spend hours in an edit trying to make sense of it in a weird way. But he's, he's a brilliantly funny man and, has, and sort of comes in lots of scenes in this movie and, and steals them, I would, I would say. It's what he does. It's what he does. He likes doing it. Mm -hmm.
1: You shot uh, some of this on location. Who were the worst or most difficult fans to deal with on set, coming up, interrupting things? Was it the De Niro guys or was it the Efron guys?
0: well it's sort of bizarrely it's the mazer guys uh. because but not not in any other way that i um i have this thing my wife hates about me where i'm i'm incredibly over friendly to people and sort of you know and just think in some way you know we, we filmed that in a place called tybee island which is a, a little sort of beach resort in on the coast of georgia and there was an ice cream shop there where there was this sort of very odd family of homeschooled children who would sell the ice cream in the afternoons. And I just went in and I was sort of, and they were sort of a bit inbred, a bit, a bit odd. Uh, but sweet, like really sweet. And, um, and they just seemed like awestruck. That I was a film director, and you know, and, uh, uh, you know that doesn't happen very often. So I just sort of was like, so I took them into the, you know, the into my confidence and befriended them, and immediately regretted the fact that I did because I said, you know, oh, just you know, come down to set, and you know, you can stand by the monitor, you can watch what's going on. And 6 a.m. on the first day of shooting, they're there, all three of them, just sort of standing right next to the monitor, and didn't leave for five days, and would just sort of go up to, and I can say like away because I'd invited them and I felt guilty and they were having a really nice time but then you know Zach would come back from doing a take and just want to you know collect himself and he'd have these three ice cream children just like so what was it like on high school well they were it's weird that I've done a West Country accent because it's Tybee Island is the equivalent of the West Country you know oh I'm getting myself in all sorts of trouble with Tybee Island and West Country now but they you know they'd sit there and just kind of assault Zach and Bob and it'd be like who are these weird ice cream children and I can get. So, uh, so the short answer is the uh, the, the, the Dan Mazer people were the worst.
1: In my head, that was all happening while Zac Efron was in his hornet codpiece. Just going on by the way, the... it was. And it that's was. The, yeah. Oh
0: yeah. One hundred percent. Yeah. It really was. Yeah, oh, it really was. Yeah. High just open. like wanting privacy, wanting to, like, in a, a codpiece, all naked and just like <laughs> they are offering him free cookies and cream for the week. You know, <laughs> you can tell probably Zach Efron doesn't eat a lot of cookies and cream. Dan Mazer does, but um, and the weird thing was as well they. They, they didn't even give me loads of free ice cream. They like, gave me it once and never again. It was really annoying. I was just... Anyway. Come on, ice cream kids. <laughs> yeah, ice cream kids. In
1: my head, Zac Efron, you must have been tempted to say to him whilst he's in this Hornet copies. can I get that a bit more blue?
0: She's like, really, can I... What are you feeling now? What are you feeling That What's going on here? But he's, he's very game about, it, about everything. I have to say, there was nothing, again, nothing I suggested. And you'll see, he, he sports a lot of extraordinary outfits that, make, that do their best to make him as unattractive as possible and still fail yeah, because, that's true. Like, he's, you know, it's impossible. And, and I've proven it's impossible. Speaking of Dan Mazur fans, would anybody like to ask their own question to the man himself?
1: We have roving mics. And ideally, we have Great. questions. Lovely. This lady
0: here. Hello.
1: Hi there. Hello. Um, it's an honour to be here listening to you, too. Well, thank today. you very
0: much. I mean, yeah, <laughs> odd, As yes. an
1: actor, I really appreciate your work. And I was um, wondering what the difference was for you to direct these two actors who, as you said, have kind of done something brand new or at least somewhat new to them, um, versus working with Sasa Baron Cohen, who is a lot more, that's his style, to do kind of the filth. and.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. I mean... <sighs> It places a lot more onus on me in order to make them feel comfortable with the filth, if you see what I mean, uh, which is sort of my job, and just to to just so they have confidence that it's going to be funny and just not horrible and obnoxious and whatever whereas Sasha it just is innately filthy and will try and be as filthy as possible as often as possible and sometimes with Sasha it's a, it's a case of just saying well you might just need to rein back the filth and then kind of go you know go into it and of course when you know the, the difference the big difference more than anything is that those movies that you know the, the Borats and the Brunos and Ali G when we did Ali G not the movie but um we were dealing with real people so it was all about you know, really making it feel authentic, uh, Sasha's performance, and that he could be those characters. Whereas, obviously, here you can go as big or as small and you do variations of that with, with you know Bob and Zach and all the other casts. So that's that's sort of the, the main difference. Bizarrely, it, it was very good practice to be doing all that with Sasha because you knew you only had one take at it and you had to get it right. And so you'd really prepare for that. And so now being on a proper film set with proper actors and having the luxury of you know however many takes you need it feels very um very spoiling and luxurious
1: any more for any more we have a man here in a lovely scarf
0: that's a nice scarf college scarf maybe hello um i noticed by the trailer that the story is set in florida is there any reason behind it Against, why Florida, not LA, for example? Uh, well, Spring Break. Spring Break, exactly right. So it has to be Spring Break, um, uh, and Florida is traditionally the uh, venue for Spring Break. And interestingly, I had been on four Spring Breaks myself, fil- filming, uh, always filming. Uh, one for sure. Bruno, <laughs> one for Borat, uh, one and uh, maybe three Spring Breaks, and one for a, a, a TV show that I did called Dog Bites Man for Comedy Central. So. Um, I, and weirdly, none of the Americans had actually done Spring Break. And I had, this ex- I had this expert knowledge of Daytona Beach. So they're just like, really? How do you... So, um, so it turns out I had greater knowledge than them. And then we actually shot the movie in Atlanta... And then this place, this weird place, Tybee Island, both in Georgia, for odd tax reasons. Basically, everything is 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 for tax nowadays. And in Georgia, you get tax relief, which is incredible. I can't believe I'm talking about tax. I'm here for tax reasons. <laughs> exactly. just Just yeah. to clear things yeah. up. Yeah. yeah. So, um, Discounts as so charity work. <laughs> uh, Thank
1: you. Can I ask about Aubrey Plaza, who's yes. so, I think, best known for Parks and Rec. Mm-hmm. And she plays this kind of dour... Grumpy cat type character, and in this she is not that. No, that, that that's another character breaking moment here. Yeah. What what advice did she ask of you before she say, mimed having sex with Robert De Niro?
0: But the brilliant thing about Aubrey, apart from the fact that she's an amazing actress, is she is she is totally fearless, and I think she literally took on this role in order to see how far she could push it with with uh, Robert De Niro. And it was a personal challenge to see whether she could freak him out, and she never did. And it's you know amazing, like such brave, because the, the, the challenge in casting that part would be like, well, who can actually hold their own opposite the greatest actor of his generation? Who isn't going to be intimidated? And frankly, I think... Probably Bob was more petrified of her by the end than than vice versa, because she's like she's extraordinary, you know, unbelievably funny and brave and brilliant. And again, nothing was nothing was was too much or too extreme for her.
1: You know how some American Pie style films often have a DVD release which says the even more outrageous edition with X rated, etc., etc. Yeah. Will there be an extended, even filthier cut for this film?
0: And bizarrely, yes, and we we start cutting it tomorrow in an odd way. And there is like there is more filth. So uh, this is in America, it's an R, and that's the equivalent of a fifteen here. Uh, and we had to cut stuff out so that it wasn't an NC seventeen, which is the equivalent of an eighteen here, but is sort of box office suicide in America if you come out as an NC seventeen because people go, well, that must be filthy. You can't, we can't possibly watch it. So we so we got rid of. A lot of that stuff that we can then reinsert, as it were, into the um, into the DVD. Um, I mean, it's not. I mean, it's weird. I I think I'm slightly inured to to filth and offensiveness in a way, because I get that this film is extreme, but I don't think it's like so unbelievably filthy (laughs) that uh, that it that it's so shocking, but. Other people seem to think that it is. It's very, it's very strange. I don't, I don't, I don't get it. I was going to
1: ask you <laughs> about the initial audience test reactions. When yeah. you take a group of people who are wandering around a mall and you say, "Could you spare me an hour and a half?" Yeah. What was the uh, the initial reaction for the most part?
0: Sort of amazing. Like, uh, uh, and I couldn't. Again, which is why I find it weird. That people think it's that's, it's extreme. So, if, if for people who don't know what you do is you, um, we went to a mall in Orange County, uh, which is about an hour outside LA, where they recruit 400 people on a Tuesday night to come and sit and, f- and watch a film that they don't really know anything about, and then they all fill in cards at the end, and they give the score, they give the the film a score. And, and at the end, they take about this amount of people, they take 20 people, and they do a focus group on, on the movie and ask everyone's opinion. And the first question was, uh, well, apart from, like, do you like it, do you not like it, uh, put your hands up if you found this film offensive. And of the 20, nobody put their hand. you know. And I've done much less offensive thing, more offensive things, less offensive, less offensive things, that people have put their hands up. And it was sort of like, okay, this is... This is sort of weird because I think the film ends nicely and it sort of has quite a, a, a traditional narrative in a weird way. So I think it sort of maybe slightly takes the, the curse off everything. So uh, it, it was sort of incredible. Or maybe it was just a very, maybe there was some weird S&M convention going on next to the mall in Orange County that night. I don't know. But it was, uh, but it was yes, it seemed to, seemed to survive.
1: It could have been the ice cream children who'd followed you (laughs) to the mall.
0: Plying people with coffees and cookies and cream ice cream. Yeah, it's true. I'm
1: going to throw it back over to the crowd because we have just five minutes left. So make all of these questions extra excellent. Extra excellent. Hi, can you talk a little bit about the editing process of the film? Were you cutting when you were shooting or did you do it all
0: afterwards? Well, um, as we shot, I had an editor in New York who uh, put together what was, you know, an assembly, basically, that essentially was about three hours. By the time we finish, which is everything, you know, they just put everything in without any real sort of judgment, or obviously they choose which takes they prefer, but everything goes in. And then what I really like to do, and which I think is what I think is really important in comedy, and I've always done with Sasha's films or my films or whatever, is is go out and put it in front of an audience as quickly as possible. So we put out a sort of two-hour, two and a half hour cut that we played in front of an audience of about 40 people in New York about eight weeks in. For a film that we knew just what, you know, wouldn't be anywhere near the final film, but you just want to feel how an audience reacts to certain bits. And then what's, what's brilliant about comedy, I, I think, is that it's empirical. People either laugh or they don't laugh. So what I would do is I would record the laughter, then I'd lay it back um, alongside the, you know, the track of the movie, see where people didn't laugh, and if they didn't laugh, however much I like the joke, sometimes I'd give it like two goes if I really like the joke, and I would say, but well, the audience didn't understand. But the audience always understand; they just didn't find the joke funny, which is always the way. Uh, and then you just, you know, you just pluck out the jokes that don't work, and then hopefully you've got enough jokes to last ninety minutes. Um, and fortunately. Uh, I think we have, and we did. And so, uh, you know, I ended up testing the movie just in front of, like, friends and family and small screenings before we went to the big preview. I probably did that sort of seven or eight times. I'd like to do it once every week and just keep, you know, honing it and making it work. And and interestingly for the... You know, often, as you, I'm sure you're aware, with, with movies get completely reinvented in the edit. So that what was scene 27 becomes scene 64 or whatever. With this that didn't really happen, it, 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 it stayed pretty linear and we didn't really mess around too much with the structure but certainly we, you know, we tried different jokes and, and, and weeded out the jokes that didn't work. When you say showing it to your friends and family, does that include your grandpa? My grandpa is, is long gone, oh, thank okay. God. Otherwise, this thank might. Thank God. What it would, might have finished him, finished him off, it's true. My, grand, my granddad once watched um, Top of the Pops uh, when we were in the sort of 80s uh, the golden era, and when Boy George came on and said, "Now there's a good-looking woman," so I feel like he wouldn't—he wouldn't necessarily have understood a lot of what was going on he in this. He should up in the sequel, I think. <laughs> yeah, it's
1: true. Uh, another question, please. Any more for any more? We do only have.
0: Oh, yep, one quick one.
1: Lady in the red
0: check shirt. Um, what was your biggest challenge in making the movie? Do you think? it's always it's always time and it was just a boring and annoying answer which is like you have a finite amount of time to do it and the thing with comedy is you'd love to try as many things as possible and i love improvising and, and, and you know, giving different directions and different alternative lines and trying scenes different ways. So, uh, you know, that's sort of annoying. And, and America is bizarrely very unionised, where in England you can sort of go, oh, go on, give us an extra 20 minutes, it's fine. Where In America, there's like, no, absolutely not. It cuts off here, otherwise you, you're charged vast amounts of money. So, so time was difficult, and it was a really... It was a pretty tight shooting schedule. We did this in, like, 37 days, which is... Yeah, which is not enough, frankly. Um, uh, so that was the challenge, and just you know, just being sure that you've got that 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 what you've got is funny. And in the heat of the moment, when you're there and there's 110 people waiting around, the, you know, the crew just to you know, desperate to move on. You just have to have the, 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 the confidence that you've got it, and yes, that will play and that will be funny. Which sometimes you don't if panic sets in.
1: Are you ready for a segue? Because you've mentioned time, which we have also run out of. I'm so sorry, guys. Thank you all for coming. Thank you very much. And please give a big, warm round of applause to David.
0: Thank you. Thank you very much.